Today on Her Wild Outdoors, Katie Wiley joins me from the Oregon coast. She is at The Kitchen Wild on Instagram, and we're going to chat about everything family and the outdoors from camping to hunting to cooking, all of that wild game. All right, today we have Katie Wiley on. Um, She is from the West Coast, Oregon, and uh, she is on Instagram. Her handle is The Kitchen Wild, and I'm excited to talk to you today, Katie, because I've been following you for a little while, Um, your recipes and the way that you get your kids out in the outdoors, and just, I don't know, you are so relatable as a woman and as as a mom and um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Well, give me just a little bit of background on who you are and um, how you started into the outdoors. And, And just to kind of remind people, the Her Wild Outdoors podcast it covers not just hunters, it covers people who love the outdoors, who love being out there and learning and growing and cooking and exploring and um, hiking, all of everything that we can do out there. So um, I, I wanted to keep it broad like that because a little bit of everybody, I would hope, loves to be outside. And so we just want to highlight the people that we can relate to. So give me just a little a little background on you, Katie. Well, like you said, I'm from Oregon. Um, and I actually just recently moved to the Oregon coast, which is a whole new scenery for me. And I'm loving it. Um, All the pictures I- are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. I, and I feel like we're just here unpacking. So I've hardly even left the house yet. So there's going to be a lot more to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I grew up here in Oregon. Uh, so we do have the beautiful outdoors kind of just at our disposal at all times. Um, and I grew up with my dad and my mom loves camping. And so I grew up camping with my mom. We would go, oh my gosh, almost every weekend in the summertime, we would go camping. Um, and some of my earliest memories were on the lake with my dad or clamming knee deep in the mud with my mom. So yes. just fun things like that. I, I think that we underestimate the power of that. I grew up camping as well. Um, being a family of six, um, that was truly the most affordable way that we could um, that we could vacation. So, if we were going to learn to go, if we wanted to go to Washington D.C., if we wanted to go to Shenandoah Valley, because we're on the East Coast, if we wanted to do any of that stuff, we had to camp because we couldn't afford to fly or stay in a hotel or anything like that. So camping was our way of seeing our world around us. Yeah. You know what? And that's exactly the same here. Um, I grew up, you know, with not a lot of money, um, mainly with my mom, who was a single mom mm-hmm. raising my brother and I, my brother um, actually was born with a disability. So a lot of time and money and resources uh, went towards him for that. So we didn't have a lot of money left over right. for extravagant trips. And, um, but I, 
I don't know. I don't think I would have wanted it any other way. I loved camping with my mom, sitting around the campfire, making s'mores. And yeah, those are just some of my favorite childhood memories. It's um, it's a way that we get our kids now into, you know, starting. I think my son was two years old when we took him on his first trip. And that was a little bit of a challenge, but um, it was it's a way to introduce them to feeling what it feels like when you wake up with the dew in the morning and um, racing to the bathroom behind a tree or (laughs) it's, it's those kind you're starting at the baseline of what you're building for their future in the outdoors. So it is vital. I think Um, it's not just a hike. I mean, hiking is great. Um, And we take our kids on hikes all the time and they learn a ton. But when you learn how to actually live out there for a day or two or three, um, it takes on a different a different mindset. Yeah, we and we've done that with our kids now, too. So my husband grew up um, hunting his whole life, which I did not. But I did grow up camping. Um, But he has been hunting in the same spot since he was one. So he, wow. his first year there was when he was one. And um, he's kind of wanted to raise our kids the same way. So since we have three children, ages seven, six, and four. And since the oldest was one, we've taken him to the same spot uh, hunting every year. And we usually stay out there for, um, gosh, usually seven to 14 days at a time. Yeah. And it's like way deep in the wilderness. You're nowhere near any internet or cell service. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And yeah, our kids, it's what they look forward to most every year. That's, they love it. It's um, it's neat to see their their eyes light up when it's, it's time to go. It's time to start packing or start planning um, because planning always comes first. Um, always. <laughs> <laughs> I think my husband tells me to this day when we go camping, why do you pack so much stuff? And then we get there and we use it all. And he goes, okay, you're right. right. Yeah, exactly. My husband says the same thing. I don't think he's quite as understanding. (laughs) Yeah. I've packed a lot of stuff, but I, I'm sort of our camp cook. Yeah. I need my kitchen. Yeah. And it's important to have all your stuff. I don't know. I think I packed Finnegan one year and ever since I've packed it since then. And he said, why? Why? Or Zofran. I can't remember. Like the dissolvable ones. He's like, why, why, why? And our kid woke up one night at two in the morning while it's pouring down rain in the, in the camp area, vomiting everywhere. And so we had to pack up in the rain. And I just, I was like, we got to get him home. And he goes, I get it. I get it. All powerful one. You pack the things that we need, even when we don't know we need it. (laughs) Well, you never know when you're going to need it. And you certainly don't want to be in the middle of nowhere without some things that you need. (laughs) It's true. It's very true. Extremely true. But yeah, Yeah. I think that, um, I don't know, just camping and hiking and just getting into the wild outdoors is one of the best ways to start that foundation, especially for our kids. Um, so yeah, well, tell me, how did, when did you, how long ago did you meet your husband? Well, my husband and I actually went to high school together, um, in Gladstone, Oregon, Mm -hmm. but we were not high school sweethearts. Honestly, he, he says he did not care for me in high school, (laughs) which is kind of rude. It is kind Um, of rude. (laughs) Right. 
but yeah, so it wasn't until, um, gosh, a few years after high school, we started dating. And actually, we only officially dated for a week or two before we got engaged. And that was, um, gosh, almost 14 years ago now. So, yeah. So was that your introduction to hunting was um, getting to know him? Yes, absolutely. I hadn't, you know, I had fished with my dad and clams with my mom, but as far as hunting big game, mm-hmm. uh, never, I had never even been around it at all. So I didn't know anything about it. And my husband and his family, they're archery hunters. Yeah. Um, I knew nothing about bows. No, I didn't know anything about it, but I'll tell you what, after that first hunting trip, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it draws you in. It does. Yeah. It does. I was uh, w- the interview that I did with Cindy Stikes. She was talking about mentoring kids um, and other people throughout a year, and she said, you know, the first thing that I would do would be to take them fishing, um, kind of as an introductory of of the whole hunting experience. So fishing and squirrel hunting, just small game type stuff in the beginning, just because that um, it teaches skills like being quiet. It teaches skills like watching your environment and that kind of thing. You have to start somewhere. And, um, and so, I mean, I've, I've grown up fishing my entire life in the backwoods of Alabama um, and in creeks and ponds. And so, that I think was a good beginning stage for me, but I didn't start hunting until, oh, I was 34. Um, and it was because my husband introduced it to me and I'm, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a, a little later on site, but it, it's uh, six years now. So it's a, a good piece of time behind me that I've, that I've been hunting, but I do look back on, on, um, on my childhood and I do see it as a preparation. Like I'm, I wasn't afraid to be walking in the woods, um, during the daytime at nighttime. I still get when it's dark, it, it still throws me for a loop when I'm unfamiliar with the place. But, uh, I love being out there. I love the smell of it. And it takes me back now smelling those smells and hearing the sounds and seeing everything. It takes me back to when I was growing up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can definitely relate to the smells. Yeah. Yeah. The sage out there every year when you smell it, it's, you just, it brings you back. I love it. It really does. The dew, the smell of a damp earth. Um, yeah, I, we have a lot of cedars over here. Um, and, uh, just the smell of cedar wood, man, it takes me back. I, I think I was four or five when my grandfather would whittle cedar out on the farm and it was I don't know it just it it always takes me back so it oh, I love it I, you know I'm that way with the Oregon coast here too because a lot of our camping trips were right here on the coast with my mom and even just yesterday the kids and I walked across the street to go play on the sand and run around by the ocean and and I was like oh my gosh you guys do smell that smell and it, it was it was just the smell of the ocean mist it just took me right back to camping with my mom and I can't believe we get to be here every day because it's so amazing yeah I'm hoping as our kids grow and in whatever they end up wanting to do that as they look back that we have prepped them for that and they can see you know those those sounds and senses will will bring them back to where they were at a certain time in their lives. 
Yeah. As moms, that's what we try to prepare them for. And, and even the skills, I mean, the hunting skills, camping skills, not everybody has these no. anymore. So. No, it's very true. And I think that it's important to have. Yeah, definitely. Well, tell me, yeah. um, how did the Kitchen Wild get started? Well, so it was a weird thing. So I own uh, my own business. I own a business called Stagecoach Detail and Design, and I renovate vintage trailers for hotels and Airbnbs. And um, we're currently working on a project in the Palm Springs area. It's a really big development that we have kind of been asked to keep quiet and not show any photos of at all, which... When uh, you have a social media account, it's, <laughs> it's all centered around photos, right? It's true. And, yeah. And I now had a fleet of trailers that I couldn't photograph and an Instagram account I was trying to keep active. Yeah. So I was just posting photos, um, mainly in my stories of dinner that I was, you know, what I was making for dinner. Yeah. Everybody loves food, right? I don't know. And so... Um, I was like, oh, this is, you know, made some elk or made some venison backstrap. And people were loving it. I mean, people were messaging me asking for recipes. I I started to get more interaction um, on a vintage trailer page about food recipes mm-hmm. than I've ever had about vintage trailers. Um, so I thought, you know what, this platform is, <laughs> it's, not the right platform for food, <laughs> not professional on my business page. I'm just desperately trying to keep this page active without any content. Right. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start a food page um, and just see what happens from there. At least it's a more appropriate platform for recipes and food pictures. Um and a, and, and a great journal for you to look back on, definitely. Oh, my gosh. I use it every day. I'm like, wait, how many cups of sugar is right. in a of muffins? I can't remember. So, yeah, I use it all the time to, to look back at my recipes and stuff. So, um, but, yeah, so I just decided to start putting everything there. And um, I don't know. It has been a lot of fun. And it's grown faster than I ever thought it would. I mean, it wasn't really even my intention. I just sort of wanted a place to put photos and and recipes for those of the people who were asking on the other page. Right. And I don't know. I mean, honestly, this whole community has been totally different too. I love my, I love my business and I love my vintage trailer community. Um, But our heart is here. I mean, this is who we are. We love the outdoors. We love hiking. We love camping. We love hunting, fishing. Uh, we love wildlife. It's just who we are as people. Yeah. So it's, um, been really great to connect with so many people and have, um, such a strong sense of camaraderie with, um, like the outdoor community here. So it's not even just about food. It's about, friendships and and relationships and we all sort of share 
the same bond. I agree. And everybody loves food. Um, And everybody eats, right? Everybody eats. Everybody eats. And it's this social thing to do. It's, I mean, we, I live in the South and if somebody dies, we eat together. If somebody is born, we eat together. If, if somebody's getting married, we eat to get like everything revolves around a meal, um, especially within families. But then as you grow into community, it's how you gather together. So it's a huge connecting part of, I think, the outdoor community. Um, so I, it doesn't surprise me at all that it grew like it did. Um, and and I've enjoyed, I mean, I've gotten some recipes off of your page and, and connected to other people that, um, that have recipes. And I don't know, it's, it's, uh, There are a lot of people out there that hunt, but being able to cook wild game in a way that isn't necessarily scary to someone who isn't a hunter, that is the key. Yeah. And it's hard. It's it's not easy to do. Once you learn, it can be very easy to do. Um, but it's just getting into it is sometimes a little bit, I would say it's a, it can be a little bit overwhelming trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, just the thought of um, cooking an elk steak or some venison, it can be a little intimidating. And it certainly was for me at first, too, um, until you just get used to it. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot to get used to. If you no. if you can cook up a steak, you can cook up an elk steak. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it's it's fun to show people that it's not scary at all. And and these are some of your favorite foods and they just happen to be prepared with elk and deer. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that fear of that wild gamey taste. Um, I know recently, you know, going from venison to goose has been it, it truly has been a little bit different because goose has been more gamey than the venison that we've had, which surprised me. Um, And so I've had, I mean, my kids still eat it. They love it. They say it's even better than venison, which I'm not quite there, but uh, (laughs) I love my venison. Um, (laughs) But it's, it has been, it will be interesting to, um, to see what all we can do with it. And, um, and I don't necessarily think that, the gamey taste is a negative thing. I think it's just how you use it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my mom is like my harshest critic. I say in life in general, but especially with food, um, I'm like, oh, I made, you know, elk or venison or duck for dinner tonight. And she's always like, Ugh, oh, I don't need that. And then I make her try it because mm-hmm. she has to try it. And she's like, oh my gosh this is really good. It doesn't taste like game at all. So it's fun to change people's minds about wild game for sure. Um, I've never had goose. So it surprised me. It surprised me with how lean it is. Um, because I was, I think I was expecting it to be more like the duck that I got earlier this year. And I would put it more alongside venison. Um, it's extremely lean. It has a tenderloin. Um, Wow. It, 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 it surprised me. I still, um, processed it and butchered it the same way I would a duck, 
but um but the you have to be very careful with how you cook it because it it will dry out very quickly um medium rare is probably the most done you need to cook it yeah well, I saw I saw you packing it on Instagram, and you did a great job. It looked awesome. Thank you, thank so. you. It's uh, it's nice to have the freezer full um, right now with all of these different kinds of of foods. I'm hoping to add fish to it as well, turkey first, and then fish. Um, but we'll be pretty set for for the year. Um, it's kind of nice, but yeah, I. I think that's the one question that I get the most. Well, doesn't it taste gamey? And I think I went to a seminar at ATA about butchering and processing your food. And one of the best um, things that was taught to me was the gamey taste is in the fat. And so your beef or your pork, like that's, it's, that's different. And it's, it actually tastes good on those types of foods and it helps with the cooking process of it. But when you get into wild game with, um, deer, elk, bear, all of that kind of stuff, the fat is where that gamey taste is. And so as long as you get as much as possible off, you're going to cut down the negative taste and you will be left with the positive taste left. Absolutely. So I always try to trim off as much fat as Mm -hmm. possible, but I don't want my meat to dry out. So I'm replaced with a lot of butter, which I know is not the most healthy, but it is is good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, like whenever I grill my uh, elk steaks on the grill, I'm sort of based in butter the whole time because I don't want them to dry out. And right. Like that, they stay uh, tender and juicy and not gamey at all. So you're right. The, the game is definitely in the fat. And I've even noticed with beef. So we get a cow um, slaughtered every year. So we know where our cow comes from mm-hmm. and what field it ate from uh, its whole life. However, the fat on those cows tend to taste quite a bit different than, you know, the fat we grew up eating from our local grocery store. Right. So even in the cows, it's different. Um, and it is, it's just all in the fat. Yeah. I've heard of people, if they cut all of the fat off of their venison, sometimes they'll go in and get um, fat from butchers off of pigs or cow and just lay it on top as they cook it and then remove it afterwards. Um, Yeah. I know a lot of time, like with our ground venison um, or bear, you know, we'll get some pork or beef to it. Yes. Sort of thin. So um, to keep it. That's, we did that with our, yeah, we did that with our venison this year. And, um, and I've heard you can take, like bacon and and mix it in for sausage. Like there's just tons of ways that you can add that um, that back in to help keep things from drying out. And who doesn't love butter and bacon, right? No, I mean, anything. Yeah. You are speaking to the bacon lover. Yeah. Um, I I think my motto is everything tastes better with bacon. 
Yeah, I think that's my motto with butter. Everything tastes better with butter. Everything, everything. In fact, if I have somebody come over who has never tasted any kind of wild game before, I make sure it's a recipe with bacon. Um, Because it's a familiar thing, um, it kind of gives that – and it's like a bridge, <laughs> like a, okay, I see something familiar on there. It's not as scary um, as just eating it plain. There's a familiar flavor on there also. Yes, yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, bacon is my, we're a little bit different with butter, um, mainly because of a, a dairy allergy. Um, we've been able to, the Kerrygold butter is something that we've been able to handle a little bit of um, uh, just because it's that good fat that uh, hasn't been processed as much. Um, yeah, that Kerrygold is great butter. It anyway. is really good butter. Yeah. And so we've been able to handle that a little bit with our meats and stuff like that. But um, it's hard to brown, and I'm, I'm putting quotes around, our butter that we use because it's made um, from flaxseed oil. Okay. And so you can burn oil and um, it doesn't quite brown as good as the real stuff. So if I'm browning butter, I definitely use the real stuff. Yeah. Man, I Bacon love Bacon fat is always good for that. Yes. <laughs> so true. I have a jar of it. I grew up, my grandmother always had a jar of lard and a jar of bacon grease. And- oh. Your grandmother is a lady after my heart. I've got a mason jar full of bacon fat in my fridge at all times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I do too. That's how it goes in a lot of stuff. Um, but that's who I learned that from. <laughs> that is a grandma thing for sure. It right? is. And, and you don't and waste. No. And you're, it's something that we're passing down too. I mean, it was passed down to our moms and to us and yeah. Yeah. Tradition. I don't know. I and think del- that's that's where the hunting community and the cooking community kind of coincide because um, both are storytellers. Um, yeah. The recipes have stories behind them. It's not just the uh, the amount of sugar, the amount of flour or the amount of um, liquid aminos or whatever you're putting into stuff. It's um, well, who how did this recipe come to pass? Did you come up with it? Did your mom come up with it? Did your dad, my grandfather was the chef at the firehouse. And so a lot of what I've come that I have has come from him, chicken and dumplings, chili. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've grown up, um, getting from family. Yeah. And well, and it's like, it's not even, just about the foods themselves either it's when you eat them like what time of the year or mm-hmm. what event and yeah there's a lot a lot of storytelling around food you're right same with hunting a lot of storytelling around hunting and and both i know for hunting like i tend to make the same um recipes every year of hunting and there's just sort of our comfort food hunting menu and yeah we love it so they kind of go together that um i was talking with uh, Annie Gastelum from Arizona uh, back in the fall and she goes to deer camp, mule deer um, camp in Arizona with her family and they've been doing it for generations. And one of the things she was saying was the smell of walking in um, when 
the coals are burning or when um, breakfast is cooking in the morning, you smell that bacon as you wake up or there's just it takes you back and it takes you back to moments in time. Um, And she said she's lived that her entire life. And I can only see like you creating these memories for your kids and for the people around you who are there. Oh, I hope so. That's the goal. Have you um, been interested in taking the step outside of Camp Chef into hunting? You know, it's funny. I actually, so my husband and I were married quite a few years before we started having kids. And um, a couple years after I started going hunting with him, um, I would always sort of like walk out in the woods with him when he had his bow. And one year I thought, you know what? I think I want to start hunting. So I did. So uh, he bought me my first bow and um, we went to the archery range. We went to Broken Arrow Archery in uh, Milwaukee, Oregon. This is where I first learned how to shoot my bow. And um, yeah, I had gone out, gosh, I, I would say maybe two years with him before um, getting pregnant. And so after that, I've just been at camp with the kids yeah. ever since. Yep. But um, but yeah, someday when they're older and able to start hunting, I'd love to start hunting together as a family. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun because I had a lot of fun. I never shot anything. Um, I have a story that I shouldn't even tell because it's horribly embarrassing. But the first time I ever even had an opportunity to shoot a buck. I think it was my first year out. And I was so excited. I mean, like adrenaline, I was shaking. I couldn't believe this moment finally came. I was gonna shoot my first buck. And I did not put an arrow in my bow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I pulled my bow back without an arrow in it. And my husband's looking at me like, um, wait just a minute. You're like, you don't have an arrow knot in your bow. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? But I was so like overcome with adrenaline. Yes. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. And so obviously I did not get that buck. No, um, but what? You will never do that again. I will never do that again. <laughs> no. And I hate it when he tells that story, although I've just told it on a podcast now. So <laughs> There's a but, difference. Uh, There's a difference when you tell it and somebody else tells it. Yeah, it's my story to tell. No, um, but no, that I I will always remember that excitement. It was such a fun moment, even though I didn't get it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to to doing that again. But for now, um, when when we do go up hunting, there's a pond there that we fish at, and the kids and I fish for trout, mm-hmm. and um, and then obviously living here on the coast we can clam and fish and crab and do all that. So yeah. yeah. That's exciting. That's it's um I if I had been hunting before my kids were born, I would have found it very difficult in those smaller years um to get out there. It is I mean, if we can just talk about the exhaustion for just a second of newborn and toddler um, and some they're so dependent. It's hard. It's I can't even imagine. 
I mean, there are women out there that do it. I watch them every day, Becca Garris. Like there are people who do it, but they make it look so easy and they make sure that people know that it is not easy. It is not easy at all. I've seen them too. And they've got their babies strapped to their backs and they're out there hunting. I mean, that is It's amazing. Yes. Yes. Um, We have three and they're all like 15, you know, ish months apart. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I just couldn't do it. I just, yeah, no way. But we do love, um, we love being at hunting camp for sure. Mm -hmm. The kids, it's their favorite place on earth. It's my favorite place on earth. Um, and honestly, uh, my husband's grandmother used to be like, camp cook. Right. So, you know, any fish that was, uh, caught or, animals that were harvested or even just regular meals for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, it was her, her name was Grace and, and Grace cooked for the camp. And, um, Grace has got some pretty incredible shoes to fill, uh, since she's no longer with us, but I love that role Mm -hmm. at camp now. Like I love being able to cook the trout that we have just caught. And, and I love, um, like you said, when the hunters come back, in the morning and they smell the bacon before they even cross the river. I love that. Like I can provide that meal for them when they come back. It's really, really important for me. So although I'm not out there hunting with them anymore, you're um, still providing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still still providing. And I, I love my current role in hunting camp. And those filling those shoes, what an honor um, to be a part. Yeah. Yeah. She was an incredible woman. And honestly, I've even gotten some of her um, vintage cookware passed down to me. So it's even more of like, I feel her spirit there with me. I'm cooking in her cookware um, in the same camp that she used to cook in. So it's, and so I even, uh, we're the same size. So I'm, I'm four foot 10. I'm pretty small. And she was very small also. So I wear some of her hunting jackets, even so um, I've awesome. gotten some of her old hunting jackets. So I feel like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like she's there with me. You're embodied sure. with her spirit for sure. Um, absolutely. I love that. We don't uh, I think we've got like we've got hunting clubs around here and things like that. But we're lucky enough to have places close enough that you can just go for the morning or for the afternoon. Um, And so when I said, hey, I'd like to hunt too, I would like to help provide for our family that um, we had to draw straws, of course, of who would get to go (laughs) on those mornings and afternoons because somebody did have to stay with the kids. Um, And so there was a little bit of that, but I... The coming back and processing and butchering and and putting everything together to save for the year, um, doing that as a family, uh, having the kids measure stuff out, weigh things, um, just learning how to cut cuts. And um, I don't know, there has been, it's not just the hunting part. And I think that's why I really wanted to chat with you on here because it takes it past uh, the processing part and the butchering part, and it takes it on into the next stage of it to fully encircle what our community is about. Um, yeah, I I agree, and and honestly, that's half the fun of it. Our whole family gets together and they process the animals together, and and 
I don't know. It's just there's something so special about all of it. Yeah. And then you take it further into the kitchen. And so it it grows. I don't know. Our kids are watching us and they're watching the whole process of learning. Like they watched me go through Hunter's education, through getting everything that I needed. They saw me go through three years of figuring out to hunt solo, which is not easy. Um, And I mean, I'm 5'2". I'm a little bit taller than you, but not a whole lot. And so (laughs) learning how to do things on my own not only did my daughter watch me do that, but my son watched me do that. And he, my son watched my husband support me in that. And, um, and I think that, you know, as they watch that process, then they watch the process of harvesting, of processing, of butchering, of being a part of that. But then they also see both of us in the kitchen cooking and they get to be a part of that too. And so just like we were talking about camping, starting that foundation, it's also cooking your wild game and learning how to bring it to the table. Um that's another foundational step. It, it's it's not wasting. It's utilizing um, the gift that we have been given. And um, I think it's so important. It's so important for them to see it and for others to see it. It's so important. I don't know about your kids, but my kids, if um, they are eating anything that's been harvested by us or, you know, friends or family, um, no matter what it is, something, okay, let's say fish, for example, they usually wouldn't love fish, mm-hmm. but when they're the ones that have caught it, or if dad caught it, or I caught it, or, you know, grandpa caught it, they're all over it. They love it. They love eating the food that we have harvested. When we sit down uh, for dinner, we'll say, this is, this is the elk daddy got, and they absolutely love it. There's yeah, so it's not it's not necessarily um, probably their one of their first choices to eat rainbow trout, but right. the fact that that they were there when it was caught, they absolutely love it. Yeah, I and I think it goes back to the storytelling because you know our son got his first year this year, and every time oh, we congratulations it was amazing. But sitting down at the table and seeing his face when we pull out, because we labeled all of his stuff with his name so that he knows what his stuff is. And so we'll pull it out and we'll say, this is, we're eating your deer tonight. And the sense of pride and joy that comes over his face is um, each time. So it's a gift that has kept giving. And we talk again about the story of when that happened and we keep it fresh on his mind. And uh, one day he'll be sitting around the table telling his family about sitting around the table, eating his first deer. And um, in this, I, it, it brings joy to my heart to see their faces with that. But they were like that with with the deer that we shot as well. And, um, Hey, tell me that story again, mama, tell me about, uh, when you shot that deer or tell me about that buck that you shot when you saw the albino, like it just, it takes them back to each of these stories and you can take that back to, um, 
to Greek mythology, to stories handed down through generations, you have to know that those stories were being told over a meal. And, um, and it's, I, I think it kind of connects us to our world a little bit more than, than people who aren't a part of the hunting community would expect. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've got hunting stories here that our kids have grown up hearing. They weren't even born yet. But like when um, my husband shot a bear one year, they know that story just, you know, like as if they were right there. They know it backwards and forwards. Yeah, absolutely. And they love hearing the stories, especially those that they were there actually at camp for. But but they know all the stories and they love them and they love being a part of it. And they love that it was their family or their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course, sitting down to eat the meat or eat dinner that's been made from it. It's huge. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so important for them. I think. Somebody asked me the other day, how did you get your kids to start eating this stuff? And I said, well, you know, when they, were born and they started making animal sounds. <laughs> we started talking about food and and just created this this um I don't know it was just a connection that we put with it. I think um my daughter when she learned what the turkey sound was, she gobble gobble bang. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it um and I don't I mean there's there's hilarity to it, but there's also there was a sense of okay, you're eating a hamburger. This is where it came from. You're eating uh ribs. This is where it came from. You're eating rabbit. This is where it came from. Um there's like there's stew. This is where it came from. This is the meat. And so I don't think we ever had a time where we had to say, okay, let's sit down and let's talk about this meat that you're eating right now came from an animal and the shock came over their face. We never had that happen. Um, Yeah, we're exactly the same as you guys from a very, very early age. You know, this is a cow. This is a pig. Yeah. Um, And then, like I said, like we have cow harvested and then um, we're starting to have pork harvested now as well. And um, I mean, it's just extremely important that they know where their food comes from. Yeah. And um, there's nothing sad about it. So Mm-mm. we don't ever treat it as such. It's just a fact. Like yeah. this is like, oh, this is an elk. This is deer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that it also goes back to um, we are very honest with our kids and it's not that we've ever sugarcoated anything or or lied about things so that they can they know that they can trust us, that we're not going to um, to tell them a lie about something. And we just we started that from the beginning. We're just going to be fully honest about this and um and treat it like an everyday thing. There's no, there's, yeah, it's, um, and I think that that's been beneficial to them. Yeah, we're definitely the same way. Definitely. I mean, and that's, that's across the board, not even just with food, but, but speaking about food, right. We have always been that way. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of the eighties and nineties, not to age myself, but, um, 
you know, back then it was all the rage of all the processed food and, and convenience foods. And, and no one really knew what was in it. We didn't know where our food was coming from, or especially, you know, since I didn't grow up in a hunting family. Right. Um, and I just, I don't know. I didn't, I was never really comfortable with that. Um, and obviously because of like processed foods and, and convenience foods as a, a young teenage girl, my weight, you know, suffered because of it. And I just, I was like, I need to start eating real food, but what is real food? Right. 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 Um, and, and what is nutrition and, and why are these foods important? What are the vitamins that our bodies need? And so that's just how I started eating as a teenager and um, just sort of educating myself about it because I didn't, you know, I didn't have parents that really knew anything about it. And, um, and although it's, they're not, it's not their fault. They didn't, they didn't know, you know, these convenience foods were all the rage. The, you know, moms now had a little bit of extra free time because right. they weren't in all day. And, and, and let's uh, be honest, it was cheaper. It was cheaper, but you know, all everyone's health started to suffer yep. because of, uh, so I just made a decision many, many years ago to get to know where my food came from and, and why I was eating it and what I was eating. And, um, and I just try to pass that information down to my kids today, which does, I mean, it, it does make you be really honest about where your food comes from. And, and as kids, it is like, this is what animal you're eating. And yeah. Um, but since it's all they've ever known, they don't think anything of it. They, They have no, no sadness or or hurt feelings or, yeah. or anything. Like when which, dad brings- which we want to make sure, whoever's listening to this, we are not saying, and I know you aren't saying this, we are not saying that there is a lack of respect or a um, a loss. Like we are not completely, um, like we're not empathetic. We're not toward animals and toward the animals that we are hunting. There is a complete respect for Absolutely. for that. We- we are incredibly grateful for every animal yes, yes. harvested, even down to every clam that right. is harvested. We know that these animals have sacrificed their lives or given our lives for us to feed our family. Right. And, and as a mom, these animals have given their lives for me to feed my children. Yes. And for me to feed my children, in my opinion, the most nutritious foods right. that I can give them. And, and we don't no- take more of them than we need. Um, I think that that's, you know, I've had friends that, well, you, you hunt and I just don't know, like there's just all of these hunters and they keep taking all of the, we don't take more than we're going to, our family doesn't take more than we can eat, um, or share with somebody else. And that's, um, that's very important. I don't think that there are a whole lot of here in Tennessee, you can take three dough a day during hunting season. Yeah, we're not that lenient out here in Oregon. No, but (laughs) nobody here is going to take three dough a day from the end of September to the beginning of January. Nobody is. Um, We have that many deer that need to be harvested, and that's why that number is that way. We don't take more than we have been given in order to sustain our family, and that is a rule. If we will not eat it, we're probably not going to take it. 
That is absolutely our rule too. And um, we, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say anything negative about anyone, but we don't trophy hunt in our family. We hunt to feed our family. We hunt to stock our freezers Um, and all the food that we eat, uh, all the meat that we eat was either harvested by ourselves or, or someone that we know. Right. And that's just our rule. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference between trophy hunters who do not hunt for meat, who do not hunt for, um, they're just out there for the antlers. And then there are people who hunt in Africa and places like that to sustain, um, the group that they are hunting for. The meat goes into that community. The funds go toward conservation for that and, and against, um, poaching and all of that. There's, there's also a difference between those hunters as well. Um, but there are crazy people out there who poach and kill just for horns. They don't even keep the meat and, or antlers. They keep the antlers. I mean, it's just, there, there are people of course, in every community that give that community a bad name. And, um, we do not condone that at all. No, we don't. No, no, but we do eat good. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do eat good. Um, how do you think, I don't know. I think, so looking at your page and watching your page and watching, um, just the engagement and people, um, how do you think that you have made an impact on our community? Um, as a woman at hunt camp, as a chef cooking wild game, how do you hope, I guess I should ask that what you do will impact our community? Well, for starters, I'm, I'm not a chef. So that alone, I think, um, I hope has an impact. I'm just a mom and a wife here cooking for her family and I'm cooking the best foods that I, I can cook for Mm -hmm. them or I know how to cook for them. And I'm just hoping to inspire other people to do the same. Um, you know, honestly, I go, I turn to Pinterest all the time for recipes. I don't, I don't just dream these up most of the time. Um, but yeah, I just try to get creative with, um, all the meat that we have in our freezer and, And for me personally, like, I'm just like a comfort food junkie. I love comfort foods. Mm -hmm. I love, I love a good old meat and potatoes. Like I, you know, those are just the foods that I love. And so, um, I just hope to inspire other women, other moms to, to try to cook wild game or, or just even maybe not even cook wild game but just maybe try to um cook some scratch cooked meals yeah and make things from from start to finish all from scratch um because honestly it is intimidating at first until you do it it's it's really easy and most of the time it's a lot more cost effective than buying things in the store if you make it from scratch like um like breads and pastas and stuff like that It's totally true. It's totally true. And the more you learn, the the more I've figured it out because of allergies, I've had to learn the science behind baking and learn the different ways to substitute things to make things work. But once you kind of get the basis, like the basis of, of certain ingredients and recipes and things like that, Once you get comfortable with those, the creativity, the fun is in the creativity of starting to 
to, I don't know, to mess with it just a little bit and start creating your own masterpieces, let's um, call it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could just um, point on the thing that you and I both made. We made this loaf of bread and and you added rosemary to it. So simple, right? But I mean, it completely changes the entire flavor mm-hmm. of that bread. And it's such a simple change uh, with a fresh ingredient. Right. So, I love that. I love being able to play around with recipes just like that. Yeah. This was this past summer. I have been known for years known enough by my kids that they ask my husband to grow them things because of my black thumb. And this past year was my first year having a garden. And (laughs) I was so afraid that I was going to kill that thing in the first few weeks. Um, (laughs) I mean, and some things did not work. My peppers did not come out. I've got to figure some things out on that. My carrots were hilarious looking. Um, there was definitely trial and error, but let me tell you that rosemary was amazing and my basil was beautiful. Um, just the herbs that we were able to harvest and dry and keep for the rest of the season has been, uh, I loved every second of it. We had cucumbers, we had, and I'm not talking a big garden. I'm talking, I've got this long above ground garden that I put together. Um, but if I can do that, <laughs> anybody can do that. <laughs> yeah. And I bet the kids loved it. I bet they loved being out there with you or, yes. you know, sharing the harvest. Oh, they loved Just- going out there and picking, picking vegetables and eating them. And then I'd come out and I go, wait, there was a cucumber that I was waiting for and it's gone. And my daughter's sitting there just eating it. Um, but isn't it the best part? I mean, that's what I was kind of touching on earlier about um, harvesting goodies and the kids just love it. You know, mm-hmm. if I just threw down a, a salad for the kids on any other day, they would probably turn their noses up at it. But if they went out there and they picked all of that from the garden, they would happily eat it. Agreed. Just something about harvesting anything um, that just makes it so much more special. You know where and you did it yourself. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that was during the time that my husband was away for a couple of months for work. And he came back and I think he was shocked in himself that it did not die. <laughs> that was- I'm so proud of his lady, I bet. <laughs> it was a sense of accomplishment. I think every week that a new fruit came out, um, that, that a flower turned into a fruit, it... It, I was completely shocked. I'd walk out there daily just to watch and and be completely astounded that that it grew. Um, I'm like, yeah. thank you, sunshine. Thank you, water. Thank you, soil. Thank you, God. Like it all came together and and sprouted this magnificent garden. Oh my gosh! Well, I hope your garden this year is just as bountiful. I am in- hoping so too. <laughs> We're going to add a few more things and I'm probably going to take a couple things away. I've got to get out there and I've got some seedlings going, but, um, but make sure that things are cleaned up and ready to go. Oh, fun. It'll be fun. Yep. Oh, Katie, I appreciate your time today. I have really loved, um, I don't know. That's, I think that's the biggest part of this podcast is talking with people that a I can relate with, but also that so many others can relate to, and um, 
And it's fun to talk to people who have had so much experience in this, that, or the other, but it's also just a wonderful thing to talk to somebody that is right on my level and, um, and just completely relatable. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. You're I was welcome. so nervous, but, but this was so much fun. It's been so great chatting with you. Good. It's been hey, tell tell everybody really quick um, how they can follow you, the different ways they can follow you. Well, you can follow me for um, all of my recipes on The Kitchen Wild. Um, and if you love vintage trailers, you can follow me at Stagecoach Detail and Design as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Okay. If you want to follow Katie, go ahead on Instagram at The Kitchen Wild, or you can follow her at Stagecoach Detail Design.